What's up, everybody? Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. We are doing a barf episode right now. It's backlog accomplishment with Respawn and friends. I'm talking about Quantum Break. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michaelinis. We've got here Adam Pituitary Gumby. What's up, Adam? My favorite gland. It's the best gland. And live in virtual person. For the first time in a while, we've got Alex Kuzina. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm not caught up on all of the like weird little in-jokes on the show. And so when, when you introduced Adam the way that you did, I got real confused for a second there. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Am I on this podcast with the people that I thought I was going to be on this podcast with? Have I been hoodwinked? What, what's happened is that Alex's pituitary gland made him hit puberty and we've grown up a little bit. So we've changed. Our body's getting hair in places that are strange and foreign to us, and we're developing feelings about people we never knew we had. So, yeah, we're a little different than the last time you saw us. <laughs> all right, then. I'll take your word for it. You all may recognize Alex from a ton of other episodes that we've had that he's been on, as well as usually us reading his thoughts on Barf Games late, maybe on the next episode or a completely different month, because we always forget. But we will not forget this week. Because Alex is here with us. So, I want to uh, start with this BARF discussion a little bit about, again, if, you, if for those of you who aren't aware, BARF is a like a like almost like a book club for games. And our patrons over at patreon.com slash fire pick one of the games that they want us to play. And we play it and chat about it at the end of each month. So we played Quantum Break, which is from Remedy Entertainment. Uh, it was released in 2016 on April 5th. Published by Xbox Entertainment Studios, sorry, Microsoft Studios, which is now Xbox Game Suit. One of those two. It was published by Microsoft. Um, from Remedy, a follow-up to Alan Wake. And we played it, I believe this is the first time for all of us, is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And My first time finishing it. I got about halfway finished. through, like, five years ago, and then just didn't finish. Okay. To give a quick little bit of context on my end, I uh, did not own an Xbox console until I picked up my Xbox Series X uh, when it released uh, a couple winters ago. So this has been my introduction to a ton of previously inaccessible Xbox only games over the course of the past year or so. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, I also played this on Xbox Series X. Adam, did you play PC or Xbox? I played this on Xbox. Nice, nice. All right, so we have similar experience there. I want to read a couple of things about the game from Wikipedia just to start out, and then we'll jump into just discussions about it. Um, first is this was originally envisioned as a sequel to Alan Wake by the studio, but that game did not perform as well as everyone wanted it to, and Microsoft said, no, we don't want an Alan Wake sequel. We want a new property. But what they did like about the pitch was with uh, live-action elements of it. So when they pitched that it was going to be part TV show, Microsoft was like, we're listening. Can you make it something other than Alan Wake, though? And they said, yes, we can. It was supposed to release in 2015, but it got bumped just so it wouldn't compete with other Xbox exclusive games. And until Sea of Thieves, it was the most successful launch of a new IP from Microsoft ever, which was pretty cool. Uh, a couple other things about it and its development Um it was uh, the game's director was Sam Lake, who was both the writer of Alan Wake as well as Max Payne and Max Payne 2. 
And the guy who did visual effects for Gravity and, and uh, won an Academy Award was the narrative designer of the game. Who was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, that's, yeah, that's about it. And then, uh, obviously, this is the... Worth pointing out. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to say real quick. Worth pointing out, Sam Lake uh, did previously not direct Alan Wake. So, like, uh, Sam Lake had always been kind of like a pretty big mover within Remedy Entertainment. But this uh, was sort of his big break into him becoming kind of the face of Remedy as we know him today. Perfect. Uh, as far as reception goes, the game was... Um well, kind of lukewarm. Metacritic, it's sitting at a 66 on PC, 77 on Xbox One, and it got like around eights, sevens and eights uh, from most of the major gaming outlets. It was nominated for Most Anticipated Game at the Game Awards in 2015, but it wasn't really nominated for any other Game Awards. Uh, however, it did win a Navigator Award for Best Performance in Drama from uh, Aiden Gillen, and it won... A Webby Award for Best User Experience in 2018. Whatever that means. The, the 77 Metacritic score sounds about right for Xbox, but the 66 for PC seems a little bit harsh. Were there a lot of like technical issues on PC that kind of hung it back at launch? Not that I... Uh, it didn't mention anything specifically in this Wikipedia article. I'm not sure. Well, However, I can imagine Windows because I ran into was a criticized for its technical issues. Yeah, mm. specifically, I think the Windows 10 version was a little, a little worse off uh, than the mm. Xbox version. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm going to start because we often accidentally forget to read the emails you send in, Alex. I want to make sure that we get your thoughts right off the bat. What did you think of Alan Wake? And, ah, shit. What did you think of Quantum Break? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I've not yet played Alan Wake. I hope to do so at some point later this year, uh, maybe on PS5. Um, Quantum Break, you know, after I completed Quantum Break uh, a little while ago, I remember sitting there reflecting on the experience and a thought popped in my head that the more I kind of marinated on it, the more and more true it seemed of the experience I had just played. Quantum Break is probably the closest thing that I have experienced in the realm of video games to brutalist architecture. It is from a visual standpoint, uh, from a technical standpoint, at least on Xbox Series X, uh, like almost flawless. This is a gorgeously uh, constructed, gorgeous looking game, but there's like practically nothing in the way of kind of an emotional core at the center of the experience that's sort of driving me forward and making me kind of emotionally invested in what's going on. Everything else around it is 10 out of 10, and that is sort of picking up the slack, as it were. But it just ultimately struck me as a incredibly, amazingly hollow game that I have the utmost respect for, but that I can't claim that I had any lingering emotional attachment to. I want to, I want to ask you a follow-up question. You, you had mentioned that like technically it was, it, it felt like 10 out of 10 for you on Xbox. I had nonstop like frame rate issues on my series X. Did you experience any of that mm. in your game at all? Or was that just an isolated experience for me? No, I didn't see. It gets a little bit, uh, confusing because one of the whole conceits of this game is that there are many segments in which your character is wandering through environments in which time have stopped they're called stutters 
in fact. And so I sometimes wonder, hmm, were some of these stutters that I experienced while playing through the game actually <laughs> unintentional stutters on the part of the game? Uh, but no, uh, outside of that, I didn't really have all that many like gameplay frame rate hiccups that you're describing. That's it was pretty smooth on my end. That's funny that you mentioned the the stutters because when I was playing the game, what I thought was, what a brilliant way to mask all of the technical issues I'm having by making the game about stuttering and and having technical issues. <laughs> like, oh, it, it's, it was meant to be that way. It was just visually supposed to be really choppy and shitty. But uh, I, I'm actually glad to hear that neither of you seem to experience that because that was my biggest criticism of the game is that it just didn't run well, even on my Series X. But uh, it seems like that was just an isolated incident for me. But I agree with you that I didn't really feel an emotional connection. It's been, granted for me, several weeks since I played it. And I, you know, I barely remember any of the characters despite, you know, having such, uh, being so excited for, you know, seeing Lance Reddick and seeing Sean Ashmore and Dominic Monaghan, like all these people. I was like really excited. And then it's like, yeah, I don't remember much about them or nor do I think about them ever at all anymore now that the game's over. Adam, what do you think of it? I like it. I like it a good bit. I think an eight sounds good to me, um, especially as a Remedy fan. Um, and again, I, I'm with you. It's like the journey. It's like we're just going on a journey. Like it's just here's the things that are happening. Yeah, I don't have any emotional connection to any of the characters, which is fine uh, because when it comes to Remedy and world building, this is all over the place. I just love Rem- Remedy for their weird, like supernatural. Like everything in the world is is weird, and there's a reason for it. Um, so I like that. I like all the the time conceits, the time powers, the way that time works in the game. I think is really interesting and really cool. Uh, you know, like time travel and all that stuff. Uh, so all that, and then I like, um, you know, the actors in it. It's always cool to see those big names. And I thought they were good, but yeah, I was like, I was like, that was a cool time. I enjoyed watching the TV show. I'm not gonna think about it later, but I was, I had a really good time while in the middle of playing it. So let's you talked about the the TV show part of it. Let's start there, because that's obviously what makes this game unique and kind of stand out. It's something that we hadn't really seen in video games before. You play a little bit of the game and then you watch a half hour TV show and then you play a little bit of the game and you do that several times throughout this thing. Was it was it a good experience for either of you or was it like like, do you want this for more things or were you like, okay, that was fun for this, but I don't I don't really want that model ever again. There's no denying that the TV show is incredibly well produced. Its cinematography is beautiful. The acting is on point. I would say that the main problem with the TV show for me is that it almost exclusively focused on characters that were so incredibly kind of tertiary to the main plot of the game. If the TV show had focused on, for example, uh, Beth Wilder, who is a kind of female companion to Jack Joyce throughout much of the experience, who has long segments throughout the game where you don't really know what she's doing. And you could theoretically construct, oh, she's probably out going off on her own adventures while Jack Joyce is doing his thing. I would have enjoyed that way more. The fact that instead it features, I don't even remember who the hell he was hacker boy going about doing his thing <laughs> hacker boy there's a hacker boy and liam burke is the soldier guy gotcha yeah i i just felt like it was a huge kind of missed opportunity to have so much of the tv show kind of focus on them and not on the kind of surrounding members of the uh main games cast that 
seemed really cool, but that we didn't necessarily get a whole lot of opportunities to really kind of get into the head of or see from things from their perspective. Adam, what'd you think? Yeah, TV shows, it's all right. Like I said, it's very well done. Uh, I like how you can do little like three second scenes where it's like, oh, I affected this thing that happened in the in the show, uh, which is always which is pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I w- wish they would focus more on, so like the way that they do it in Alan Wake, they even do it in this game a little bit where they do it a lot in control, where it's like in the world, like you'll watch a video or you'll watch a movie or whatever in the based in the world. And I find those much more engaging and much more interesting. So like in this game, uh, there's a TV you can find and it, they're trying to find a new person to do the narration for Alan Wake's uh, TV show, Night Springs. I'm like, that was really cool. Yeah. And I like that a lot. The actual TV show in the game, I think it's like fine. Like I didn't, you know, skip it or anything like that. But like Sean Ashmore, I think is in like one of those episodes for like 10 seconds. Like I don't think Sean Ashmore shows up in the live action TV show basically at all. So it's well done, but it's just, it's fine. They literally, they give us a brand new cast of characters to go with that don't really mean much for the main game until literally the, the fifth act of the game. So, you know, I thought it was fine, but I'm not obsessed with it. Funny thing though, I just looked this up. Do you guys know who the actress for Beth Wilder is? Yeah, it's the main girl in, in Control, Jesse. It's Jesse from I Control. I recognize her right away with her voice and her bottom lip. I was like, oh, I know that actress. And I was a little bit, I, I forgot so Jesse's cool. name was Jesse in Control. And I was like, oh my God, is this, is this character, like, is it the same character in both games? Is this a through line? Are these connected? And I was like, oh, no, it's not. It's not the same character. I did not put that together, but now when I reflect back on some of the narrations that you can hear from her in Quantum Break, like when you're reading through her diary that she gives to her younger self, I can definitely, yeah, I can definitely make the connection. Very cool. Yeah. I I liked the TV show. I liked the show itself fine. Like, it was a fine show. I, I agree with you. There's like, it's, it's about characters that I didn't really want to know about, but like, I guess I'm glad I knew a little bit more about um, but I liked it a lot for the pace, like the way it shakes up the pacing of the game because you, you play for a while and it's, it's like, I don't know, some, an hour, hour and a half. I forget how long, maybe it took me like eight hours to beat the whole thing, but you play for like an hour, an hour and a half. And then I'm, I'm about ready. It's like, okay, I need to change something up. And you're like, oh, time for a TV show. Now I can order a burrito bowl and, and eat this while I still continue to experience the same game, but in a slightly different way. So I enjoyed it just for the way that it broke the pace of the game up. Uh, and I thought that was really cool where I can just keep consuming the same property, but in a slightly different way, all in one sitting. So I think if if this game was eight hours of just playing it straight through, I don't know if I would have done it all in one sitting, but because it was broken up like that, it made it easier to digest uh, for me, basically all in one night. Yeah, if I may, like... When this game came out, there were definitely a few outlets that really kind of savaged the uh, TV show aspect of this game. And I don't really think that the TV show segments themselves are really at fault. What I will come down on and be a little bit more critical of, however, are the ways in which you decide what happens in the TV show segments. Basically, instead of getting to choose via playing as Jack Joyce, what's going to play out in the TV show segments, you make a decision as Paul Serene, uh, Jack Joyce's former friend and the game's main villain. And I always 
those particular segments of the game never really sat right with me. Like, it's like, why would you put myself in the shoes of the villain to make a decision that as the player, we're only going to want to, you know, ultimately benefit the hero in this case, Jack Joyce. Like, I was honestly really kind of surprised because the game does the Telltale's Walking Dead thing where it shows you like how many other players made your decision, how many other players made the other decision. I was kind of surprised by how kind of 50-50 split down the middle some of these decisions were because at every point where I was presented as a presented with a choice as Paul Serena, I was like, well, of course, I'm going to choose the decision that will benefit Jack the most when I switch back to playing as him. I would have much preferred it if the way in which the TV shows played out was influenced by something that you played as Jack Joyce. It wasn't even necessarily like telegraphed you. Like if he chose to remain relatively pacifistic going through a stretch of the game, that would affect what happens in the TV show in way X. Or if he chose to go guns blazing, that would affect it in way Y. Um, We didn't really get a whole lot of that. And I thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I like that. It's very interesting, though. Yeah, go for oh, it, ahead, Chad. Okay, uh, it's very interesting, though, because it is weird to play the villain. Um, I actually just started doing the opposite. I'm like, what would hurt Jack the most? I'm going to pick that. So I was always on the lower end of what hmm. people picked. But the fun thing about that is that, so, Paul Serene, you know, the bad guy, Littlefinger, also has time powers um, in the game. So when you're picking those choices, it's like, here's the possible future. Or like, no, this is the future, because he can see the future. But... You think you're going to pick something that goes his way, but even when you do that, it kind of... So it doesn't lie to you, but it doesn't tell you the whole truth. So I remember specifically, it's one where it's like, either go to the party and give the speech, or go talk to Jack. And it's like, oh, you know, if I... um, Because I chose to go give the speech instead of talking to Jack. And it shows Lance Reddick's character going down there and like having a gun on, uh, on Jack. It's like, okay, this is clearly going to work out for me. But the scene goes on from there where he pulls out the gun, gives Jack the gun so he can kill you. But you don't see that part. You only see the part where it seems like he's going to take care of Jack, but actually he's turning on you. So I like how it's like, oh, clearly this is a better choice, but it's like, mm, is it really? So I like how they played with that a little bit. Mm. For sure. There's definitely like a, a degree of ambiguity there. It, it's not... The choices that the game presents you with are not as binary as, say, the choices that we've had to make in Mass Effect or in Infamous, for example. And I did uh, appreciate that. It's just, you know, again, it would have been cool if the way in which these choices were made was, you know, not as direct as that. I agree. Yeah, I I ended up choosing making choices based on I wanted I, I can't remember it. Paul, Paul Serene, that's his name, right? The villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted him to like I wanted a reason to hate him as the main character. So I made all the choices that would make him the most hateable character. So I did all the bad shit for him. So uh, uh, it's interesting to hear how some of these things might have, might have unfolded had I chose differently. But I did like that. A, like you can still kind of very, very small ways influence the live action television show based on things that you discover in your playthrough. So like you can find there was like a for some kind of sports team like a the Tigers or the Lions or something like that you find like their uh, board or a f- sign for them and then that shows up in the live action show and you always get that little like button in the top right corner that says oop you influenced this this is here because you found something I wish that those were more 
frequent or that also they were more obvious because I remember seeing in the show sometimes like just that little symbol saying, Ooh, this is here because you found it. And I was like, what did they find? And how, how did it lead me here? I don't even understand what's on like what on the screen is, is influenced by me. I don't even know what I'm looking at. Uh, so I felt like those could have been a little bit less subtle and, and uh, I think it could have been more impactful and, and a bigger opportunity had they decided to, again, let you kind of influence those things based on your playthrough rather than just the choices that the villain makes. What do you guys think of the, the gameplay, like the shooting mechanics themselves and, and uh, all of that? Cozy? Um, you know, it's funny. A little while ago in the Year of the Lord 2010, uh, a little game by the name of Singularity came out from One Raven Software. And... I contend, while I suspect that if I were to go back to Singularity, I would probably find much to criticize in that game, I still contend that I think that that game is a better example of a shooter with time-based powers. That being said, I still had uh, a lot of fun uh, pulling off Jack Joyce's time-based abilities every which way in the midst of combat. And I think that the game the game has just enough kind of cinematic flair and like cool little effects like that really really awesome slow motion effect when you kill off the last person in a wave of enemies that i was still thoroughly entertained the whole time i don't think that gameplay is utterly standout but i enjoyed it for what it was i really i enjoyed how fluid it all felt and i was worried within the first like 20 minutes as they started introducing power after power after power i was like oh god so many things that I can do, so many different buttons to remember what each one does. But I felt like it all flowed really well and I caught on right away, which made me feel like really kind of powerful and badass and like I was doing cool shit right off the bat. So I, I enjoyed the mechanics as well. I haven't played Singularity, so I can't compare it to that at all. But um, you can definitely see how this and these powers influenced Control. In fact, I kind of think of this as like if control is Charizard, like this is the Charmeleon of the three games of Alan Wake, this and, and control. And you can kind of see how everything's linked together and how that gameplay has evolved from having a flashlight to having time powers to then just being Jesse in control. Uh, so yeah, I, I had a, I had a fun time with it. I thought it was really smooth. Yep. I love all the powers. Um, I like how they mix things up when you have, you get enemies who can survive in stutters. So you're used to like, I'll freeze a dude. I'll shoot. Um, the gun at the bubble, and then the bullets all hit him at once. And then you get enemies who are like, no, nah, we got backpacks on, which oh, looks like the thing's kind of in control, the weird backpacks those guys have on. Yeah. Um, but, and so, like, you try to do a time bubble on, they're like, nah, and they dash out. And you're like, oh, well, I can't do this anymore. So you have to, like, it keeps you on your toes with different enemy types. Um, they're like, oh, I got a really cool power. It's really good to use. And then it's like, actually, no, that it's not going to work. And... I think it was really fun. I especially love when you get the, not the the short dash, but like the super dash where you can just run across the level and then hit being just like instantly KO a guy. Yep. Love doing that over and over again. Great time. Uh, I'm curious. Did either of you encounter those weird time demons that were teased towards the end of the game in combat at any point? No, they mentioned the time demons and in my game, uh, I see it once and it's Lance Reddick. He's like, oh shit, was that? Or whatever Lance Reddick's character's name is. Hold on, I have it right here. Um, Lance Reddick is Martin Hatch. Yeah. So when you're going to yes. the office at the end, he's like, was that Hatch? But yeah, they mentioned the time demons, but they never saw it. So I'm assuming Hatch just has powers and is going rampant or something like that. I don't know. But they mentioned it, but yeah, I never saw anything. 
you know, I only made a certain number of decisions during my playthrough and I didn't play through the game again. So I thought, oh, if you made different decisions as Paul Serene, maybe you would end up in a scenario in which you would fight the demons. And because of the decisions I made, I didn't end up fighting them. Uh, but it seems like you don't fight them no matter what decisions you make, which I thought was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um I really, really loved Control uh, when I played it last year, but I would argue that a criticism that I had of that game uh, as well that I had also of this game is that a lot of the enemies that you fight are humans. Mind you, there are humans with cool abilities and cool guns, but I feel like both this game and Control were kind of lacking in weird, unusual, more supernaturally villains to kind of really test your metal. Yeah, now that you're bringing that up, I, I didn't even remember that that demon was like a part of the thing. And then when you just mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. There was that part and it was on the bridge and it was like escaping and killing everything. I was like, God, I, yeah, I wish I saw that. <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. This, in fact, some of my favorite parts of Control were when you got to fight those weird things, usually as like optional bosses and stuff like that. But uh, that's yeah. what I would love to see is in whatever Remedy is doing next that we get to see, uh, which is, you know, they have the the control multiplayer thing they have a couple other projects in the works i would love to see something with enemies that match just how weird and wacky their world is that they've set up in both of these things yeah very specifically totally. i mean between this game and control where it's like we know there's like a another weird other world so i'm assuming it's just a creature from one of these other weird realms of existence so yeah maybe we'll see in the future these games are all connected that confirmed yeah. every one of these games in the same universe so yeah, was, we could end up seeing whatever this time monster is i was so surprised very early in the game when you're in the classroom and you're like hanging out with your brother uh dominic monahan and you're you're trying to get to his car in the classroom on the board you can see alan wake stuff written on the board and then you can see alter world events awe on there as well and i was like damn right they were hinting at control way back when i had no idea there's a couple AWE. I took a, a picture of it and put it on Twitter, but whenever you go to the swimming pool, there's graffiti of AWE up on one of the walls where you picked up one of the Chronon points. I was like, oh, look at them. Yeah. Good time. My understanding is that this is because, in fact, uh, Quantum Break is part of the like Alan Wake control shared universe too. But I am. It, it's going to be interesting going forward to see how much they specifically reference this game compared to the other two games because people really love Control and really love Alan Wake. This game, you know, it, it kind of it has the reputation that it does, and I can totally see them like referencing characters and events from the game, but not really leaning too heavily into it. I see Jack Joyce showing up somewhere. Like, I don't know about everybody else, but just like him showing up. That would be, I think, would be sure. a cool thing. Yeah. You think they'd get yeah. Sean like, Ashmore I don't think back we for get, that? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Just a little quick little cameo. I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. At the very least, they could get his less successful twin brother. So. Who looks just like him. Who yeah. looks exactly like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sean Ashmore is a twin brother. Who is also an actor. Um, I, I think that just about covers all of my thoughts on the game. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that either one of you wants to bring up about uh, Quantum Break? Why can I never remember the name of that game off the top of my head? You want to say the other one? I mean, I've got stuff, but if Chelsea wants to, you can go ahead go first. Uh, you know, one thing that we didn't really touch up on that I did want to give a shout out to is uh, this game weirdly is like one of the best recreations I've ever experienced in a video game of like a new England city. 
Um, I feel like in video games set in real world or real world ish locales, we're very used to seeing, you know, California. We're very used to seeing New York represented. I feel like it's not often that you see video games set in Massachusetts and exploring this game. I was like kind of taken aback by how much it evoked the kind of just look and feel of that specific section of the United States. I thought it was very kind of successful in that regard, especially considering, as we all know, Remedy is a game developer from Finland. So shout out to that. Yeah, they must have done a lot of research, I guess. Yeah, they did also I, to go explore Boston. Yeah, yeah I saw they also <laughs> consulted scientists for the science parts. <laughs> was the quote, I think, from Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a good quote. <laughs> and I mean, th- there's a lot of like sci-fi mumbo jumbo in this game, but the time travel segments like you can definitely tell that they really made an effort to have those segments feel realistic to how time travel could theoretically work yeah. if it were actually a thing. Yeah, that's one of my points was I was going to talk about time travel. Uh, I love how, again, they go real sciencey, science nerd stuff. Um, just they're like, hey, you know, we've got this device that creates like a black hole. And because we know that time is different around a black hole. So that's cool that they're like, oh, this is how we do time travel. You got to walk around the, the black hole. Um, I really like how they can't travel farther than when the core was activated. So it's like that first date. I love... Dominic Monaghan turns it on. Is like, oh man, I think it works, and then boom, someone's there immediately because this is as early as anybody can go, um, and then the latest you can go is the end of time because that's what time ends. Um, and then the whole thing with uh, with Beth, where she went through it, saved Dominic Monaghan, and then had to tell herself as a kid what was going to happen and convince herself. That's all the stuff in the journal, and then she gets to that point and has to go back and like she knows she dies. Like when you meet her, when you go to two thousand, was it ten or? I think it, on July 4th, whenever you're supposed to get the device back and she's just like disheveled. She's like, oh, I've been here. I saw the end of time. I had to fight and I came back here and this is awful. And then that version of Beth ends up dying. And I love how everything is predetermined as in like this stuff already happened because that's how time works. You literally can't change your past. They say like you literally it's impossible. So like you're like, oh, I got to save my brother. Like that's what happened on the other side when Dominic Monhan looked like he got killed. This is what really happened. Jack was here the whole time. Uh, that random person on the roof got killed. I was like, well, yeah, that because that's how time travel works. You can't change anything in the past. So I liked all of the time stuff and I thought it was uh, really cool. And especially when Paul Serene's like freaking out about the end of time. And it, again, since I think he's made two full loops um, and he's like, oh yeah, here's the stock markets, buy this, do that. Cause this is how it's all going to work. I'm going to get rich. And then when you're in the office and you see the timeline and then like 2018 is just like, it's a little crazy. And then there's just nothing. He like rips the pages out for like 2019, 2020, 2021. He's like, time's over. Like, we got to figure this out after yeah. that. I thought they, they predicted all COVID. that stuff was really cool. 20, was end of 2019, end of the world <laughs> or whatever it said on there. Yeah. No more timeline. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was really cool. Um, and then also, I like all the how it connects into the rest of the remedy verse, I suppose. Because again, we talked about AWEs or yeah, AWEs. Um, the show Night Falls is. Uh, or Night Springs, excuse me, which is Alan Wake's show that he writes is in is in it. And again, listen, there's that uh, video you watch where they're trying to do new voiceover. They're like, we don't have the over the voiceover guy. That's right, because Alan Wake's missing. Alan Wake has disappeared. So this happens after Alan Wake, of course. Um, and you know, I think it's really cool how all that stuff just ropes in together. It's like, yeah, this is one giant universe, and they just keep adding weird stuff on top of it. And I, yeah, I just really enjoy all that. There's even someone playing Alan Wake on a PC in the offices <laughs> of uh, Monarch. 
And also, I did, it took me half the game to realize Monarch is just a, you know, a play on words for butterfly effect. Uh, butterfly effect, excuse me. Took me a while to figure that one out, mm. <laughs> but whatever. Here we go. There we go. There you go. Good stuff. There, uh, another fun little fact. Speaking of like all of these things being linked, the whole idea for this game, like the idea of the quantum physics and that that version of time travel, came from a TV episode within Alan Wake called Quantum Suicide. Fun fact. Hmm. Interesting. Look at them teasing stuff. I guarantee there's stuff in this game that'll show up in whatever Remedy does next, and they'll go all the way. Yeah, I saw. I wouldn't be shocked if either Jack Joyce or Lance Reddick shows back up at some point, or somebody could, or even. I mean, I don't want to get into Control DLC, but even maybe Beth Wilder. What if Jesse came face to face with Beth Wilder, and it's the same person, and she's like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, I don't want to ruin stuff, but that would make sense potentially so really cool things they can do i just like how they remedy connects everything yeah all right well that's it for our quantum break episode of barf backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends if you want to vote on future stuff go to patreon.com slash respawn name fire and you can vote there as well as get uh some other perks and for march we are currently voting so if you're listening to this within the first week of it going live Head over there and cast a vote on patreon.com slash respawning fire. And then we will chat at the end of that month about whatever you guys pick. That's it. Thank you, Alex, for joining us for this one live and in person. Is there something you would love to to plug? Maybe your Twitch channel, your Twitter? Well, first off, thank you for having me on. This was a great time. Uh, yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Uh, you can also listen to what I have to say about them video James over on PressYZ, uh, which you can find on Twitch, Twitter, uh, the whole biz. Uh, and I also occasionally uh, cook up all sorts of scrumptious and unusual dishes over on my Twitter account. Uh, nope. That's not right. My Twitch account. I was really hoping I would go through the entire podcast without making a <laughs> slip up like that. Alas, it happened. Uh, you can watch me make scrumptious and unusual dishes over on my Twitch account, twitch.com. Uh, damn it. <laughs> I, I reached the finish line and I'm just repeatedly tripping over myself. Twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. K-O-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. There, I said it. I'm not going to say anything else for fear of making another mistake. <laughs> it's all right. I've said Alan Wake 35 times when I meant Quantum Break. Adam, speaking of announcements and plugging things, Misfit Rolls Season 2? Oh, yes. How do people, um, how do people check that starting out? Starting every Tuesday at 9 Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Isle of Misfit Rolls is back on twitch.tv slash Misfit Rolls. That is uh, live on Twitch, and then the podcast will continue to come out every Sunday. It is a D&D actual play podcast where it is more like James Gunn's The Suicide Squad compared to David Goyer's Suicide Squad. So it's a good <laughs> version of Suicide Squad where we play villains and we play D&D and we kill things and have a good time. Dope. And then, of course, check out our regular podcast Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, where you'll hear us talk about all sorts of video game things. Thanks, everyone. See ya.